In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good morning. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving's gone, right? The Christmas music's playing on, the, on every radio station. Black Friday has come and gone. Uh, many of you, I imagine, have, their, have your uh, Christmas decorations up uh, today. And so the gospel reading might have sounded a little jarring. I don't know if you noticed uh, that or not, but this is a, a, a reading that we typically might expect to have during Holy Week, you know, right before Easter. Uh, in fact, the conversation uh, that we re- read about, that John read between Jesus and Pontius Pilate, it takes place on Good Friday morning. And so um, Jesus is just hours away from his death. Why today? Why would we have this reading uh, now? Well, we have this reading now because today is the last day of the liturgical year. We start again next week, Advent 1. We begin again to tell the story. We'll march towards Bethlehem and the the infant king in the manger and then uh, tell the story all year round. But today is the last day of the, the liturgical year. It is the day that the church calls Christ the King Sunday. It's really the consummation of the story that is told throughout the liturgical year. Um, In this passage, Jesus is telling us some very important things about his kingship and about his kingdom. About his kingship and his kingdom. And Pilate seems totally confounded by this prisoner. Right? He, He wants... It seems he wants to let him off the hook uh, somehow, and yet Jesus really isn't giving him anything to work with, is he? Uh, You or I would do everything we could to get out of there, right? But Jesus isn't trying to get out of there. Jesus came to earth to die for our sins. This tragic injustice that an innocent man would be uh, crucified in this way, this was to be his coronation. In his glory. And so Jesus tells Pilate, my kingdom is not from this world. My kingdom is not from this world. And Pilate, rightly, takes this to mean that Jesus is claiming to be a king. Oh, so you are a king, Pilate says. But what Pilate doesn't understand is that Jesus isn't a king like any other king. And Jesus' kingdom doesn't work like other kingdoms. And so on this Christ the King Sunday, I want to just unpack this statement. My kingdom is not from this world. And see three aspects of Jesus' kingdom that don't work like ordinary kingdoms. And then see how that relates uh, to us. So the three aspects we want to take a look at is the real estate of the kingdom, the military of the kingdom, and the judicial system. Every kingdom has real estate, right? Has a military, has judicial system. We want to see how those are different. So the real estate. Uh, like any rational person, and especially in that day, when Pilate hears Jesus say, my kingdom is not from this world, it doesn't compute. Right? It doesn't compute. Pilate works for the Roman Empire. He knows what a kingdom is. A kingdom, as Pilate understood clearly, 
A kingdom is a geographic area that is under the rule of a particular king. It's a place in the world, right? And it has borders, and it has neighboring countries, and it has a capital city where the king lives. Pilate would have considered a kingdom not from this world to be just a total non sequitur. But Jesus, if you remember, Jesus always claimed such a kingdom. In fact, he began his ministry calling people to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And it was at hand not because the borders of Israel had been moved. It was at hand because the promised king was finally here. And so the kingdom of God is wherever God is the king. And so the real estate of the kingdom of God is the hearts of Jesus' followers. The real estate of the kingdom of God is in the hearts of Jesus' followers. Throughout the ages, around the world, wherever there is a heart that belongs to Jesus, there is the kingdom of God. In fact, right here, this, you, this is the kingdom of God. Because God is our king. And so the primary question then for each of us is whether our heart is on the map of this kingdom. Is your heart part of the real estate of the kingdom of God? Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, you trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, uh, you respond to that grace with a heart to do his will, then the answer is yes. Yes, your heart is part of the real estate of the kingdom of God. If you're not sure, then I want you to know this. I want you to know that Jesus loves you and that the invitation is open and that I would love to talk to you about that sometime, anytime. Uh, I would love to talk about that. So the real estate uh, of the kingdom of God is the heart of God's people. The second way that Jesus' kingdom is not like other kingdoms is the military. Now, I say this a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but Jesus says to Pilate, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. In other words, Jesus says, if I were a king from this world, if I were a king like any other king, my followers would be here. They would be fighting uh, to expand my borders, to protect my sovereignty, to not let this injustice happen to me. But if you remember, at this point in the story, where are Jesus' followers? They're gone, right? They have taken off, high-tailed it. They've run away from the authorities, which we, can kind, of, we kind of blame them for. But it, you know, if it were you or me, that would sound like a pretty sensible thing to do, I think. Uh, Peter, if you remember, had denied that he even knew Jesus. But I don't think Jesus is being cynical when he says, if I, had a, you know, if I, if I were a king like this, then, then um, my followers would be fighting. I don't think he's being cynical as if to say, look at my followers now, some army I've got, right? Um, although, I will say, I think that we can all give thanks that the kingship of Jesus is not dependent upon the faithfulness of his subjects. Which is to say, when you or I have some lapse and we abandon Jesus, even temporarily, in whatever way, it does not demote Jesus from his office 
as king. But, however, I think that what Jesus is saying is that his kingdom doesn't work like earthly kingdoms. His kingdom is advanced in weakness, not in strength. His kingdom is advanced in weakness, not in strength. Not, and this is why I get real nervous when I hear people trying to position the church with political power. Because our king wore, wore a crown of thorns and not a crown of gold. His greatest glory came in utter defeat, in his bloody crucifixion, devastating loss, in utter isolation. His mantra was that the first shall be last. If someone hits you on the cheek, turn the other one to him as well. Love your enemies. Now, when I say that Jesus' kingdom is advanced in weakness and not strength, what I'm not saying that Jesus is powerless. Far from it. What I mean is that the power that Jesus exerts is not confrontational and dominating and victorious. But rather, the power Jesus exerts is coming alongside and healing and merciful and stubbornly gracious. In fact, whenever the church throughout history has exerted itself with dominating power, inevitably the results are disastrous. But what changes hearts, what advances the kingdom of God is undeserved, surprising love. Love that loves without requirement. In fact, love that loves just like the love with which Jesus loves you. In fact, I would bet that for most of us here this morning, there was a time in our life where either you had a, like a dramatic conversion or maybe you just realized that your, you were raised in the church and you realized your faith was your own and not your parents, but whatever that event was that led you in whatever your story is to put your faith in Christ, that it was not confrontational. Right? It was not um, someone winning an argument or cowering you into submission. It was someone who uh, in some way came either once or over a long period of time came alongside you Loved you in a way that needed to be loved. It, 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 um, it, this person offered kindness, offered mercy, and then pointed to Jesus. It wasn't mushy or weak, but it was different. It was different. Because Jesus' kingdom didn't like other kingdoms. And his kingdom is advanced in weakness. Maybe a better word for that would be meekness and not in strength. So number one, the real estate of the kingdom of God is the hearts of his people. And the, number two, the kingdom of God is advanced in weakness and meekness, uh, not in strength. And the final way that we might understand the kingdom and the kingship of Jesus to be unlike regular kingdoms and kingships, we might call this the judicial system. Now, Jesus tells Pilate that he came to testify to the truth. 
And every sovereign nation has some sort of judicial system, and every one of them expects that the witness who comes before the judge is going to tell the truth, right? So that's, that maybe doesn't seem like a big difference, but Jesus goes further because he didn't say that he came to set up a system where witnesses tell the truth. He says he came himself to bear witness to the truth. He has come as a king to testify to the truth. He did not, uh, and not only did he come to testify to the truth, but he says that his followers, that's you and me, we belong to the truth. And so in that way, we are oriented towards the very voice of the king. And Pilate, again, he found this statement so confounding that almost philosophically, he asks, what is truth? What is truth? Just a fascinating irony to me. That when Pontius Pilate asks the question, what is truth? He is actually speaking with truth incarnate. He's speaking to the one who boldly declared, I am the way and the truth and the life. Truth is literally staring Pilate in the face. But isn't it interesting? That this king who came to testify to the truth does not give Pilate one piece of evidence as to why Pilate should set him free. Right? I mean, I think that if Jesus had spoken plainly to Pilate of who he was, the truth of who he was, Pilate would have had to let him go. It would have been irrefutable. But Jesus was not trying to get out of there. He had come to die. He came to die as a sacrifice for our sins. This was his moment. He came for the cross. And so here's what I mean by the judicial system being different. Jesus is the truth, and he came to testify to the truth, to himself. And so when you and I come before the judge, Jesus doesn't testify to what we've done, but to what he's done. He points to the truth. He points to himself. And so when our case comes up, he points the eyes of the judge to the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so if God, in his holy role as judge, were to set his eyes upon you or me, he would inevitably find us guilty. Maybe you don't like the word guilty, but what I mean is that, that he would, we would be found not to be holy as he is holy. Not to be perfect as he is perfect. But Jesus is the truth. And he is our interceding advocate. And he points God the judge to himself and says, credit them to my account, dear Father. Grant him. Let's grant her my righteousness. We are under the shelter of his grace. And of course the judge, who is God, the Father, and is also perfect love, welcomes us in under the auspices of the grace of Jesus. And who then wouldn't want to hear that voice of King Jesus, Father, forgive them, grant them my 
righteousness. And we might do well to ask, what is the consequence then of Jesus declaring sinners to be righteous? The consequence is that Jesus will always be our King. That heaven awaits us for all who put their faith in Him after our earthly death. To be absent from the body will be to be present with the Lord. And then there will be a day where Jesus renews the heavens and the earth. And all wrongs will be made right. Everything that was broken or sick will be healed. Every tear will be, will be wiped away. And redemption will be complete. What we, what we have now only in part, we will have then in full. Creation will be restored. And redemption will be complete. And we will see Jesus sitting upon His throne high and lifted up. And we will see Him face to face and we will not be confused by the truth. Because Jesus is the truth. Because Jesus is the King. And we belong to His kingdom. Amen.